Listener Production. Good morning, sports fans, and welcome to The Scorecard. I'm Liam Blanningham, and this is your fast, fun hit of sport for Thursday the 26th of August. Today, as COVID continues to kick our ass, we reveal where both football grand finals will be played, why David Teague has the sympathies of The Scorecard, and big signing news out of the English Premier League. But first... Day one is done at the Tokyo Paralympics and already the medals have started rolling in for the Aussies. A gold medal next to all of those world championship medals and a world record. Well done, Paige Greco. You are a champion. As called on Australia's official Paralympics broadcaster, Channel 7, Paige Greco had the honour of claiming our first medal at these games, taking out the women's C1-3 3,000 metre individual pursuit gold in the cycling. Greco spoke to Seven shortly after her victory. Oh, um, sorry. Yeah, I'm just so happy. Um, can't believe it, we did it. Yeah, yeah, so can't believe it. <laughs> God damn it, I'm going to spend the next two weeks crying, aren't I? Just... Just go to the next medal, would you? Emily Petrocola against her fiercest rival has actually overtaken Sean Morelli for that gold medal. Emily Petrocola at her first Paralympic Games as called on seven, taking out the women's C4 3,000 metres individual pursuit before the actual finish because she overtook her opponent, American Sean Morelli, which ends the race early. It's kind of like cycling's mercy rule. Have mercy. But there were more wins to be had for the Aussies in the pool last night. In fact, three more. Count them. But Will Martin needs to hold on. There's about five metres left to swim and he'll get the gold medal for Australia. Will Martin winning the S9 men's 400 metre freestyle. Rowan Crothers gold in the men's S10 50 metre freestyle. And finally, Lakeisha Lucky Patterson with perhaps the performance of the night in the S9 women's 400 metre free. What can Lucky Patterson come out with in the last five metres? She's charging hard. Patterson's coming back. The heart of a champion. Oh, she, she did it. it. Lucky Patterson was gone with 15 to go. But she found something. And then Patterson gave us a particularly delicious soundbite. I tell you what, that hurt. So I think I gave it everything. I'm feeling more fried than it took from KFC right now, I think. All of that audio courtesy of Australia's official Paralympic broadcaster, Channel 7. And how's this for a cherry on top? After day one at the Games, we're top of the medal tally. That's right, we're winning. Just finish the Games now. Don't keep them going. I want to watch more. It's time to talk football grand finals. Both the AFL and NRL have been feverishly working away in the background on their contingency plans as neither code looks able to play their big game at the contracted stadium, the MCG for AFL in Melbourne and Stadium Australia for the NRL in Sydney. So let's reveal where the grannies are headed. And it looks like Suncorp Stadium will host this year's NRL grand final. The deal just needs to be finalised and then signed off on. Not much of a surprise there that the NRL will play its grand final at Suncorp Stadium in Brisbane, considering that Queensland has been hosting every game for the past six rounds of the competition, single-handedly keeping the season alive. Thank you for your service, bro. But what about the AFL? And most importantly, there's no COVID there. Optus Stadium in Perth has officially been declared the AFL's backup plan, as announced by the game CEO Gil McLaughlin yesterday. Optus Stadium would be uh, the home of the AFL Grand Final in the event that it is not able to happen at the MCG. Gil, at this rate, the MCG is going to be lucky if it's ready to host the Boxing Day Test, let alone the Grand Final in a month from now. 
Optus Stadium was chosen over Adelaide Oval due to its ability to have capacity crowds, but Gill did state that if the Brisbane Lions and Port Adelaide won the right to a home preliminary final, they would be allowed to host those games in their home states. And while we're talking Aussie rules... You wonder who's running the footy club at Carlton, and I must say from the outside, Jared, whoever's running that football club has got no idea how to run a football club. Three-time Premiership coach Lee Matthews on 3AW earlier this week speaking his mind about how Carlton has been handling their business over the past season. But spare a thought for Carlton coach David Teague right now. I understand the club's going to make a decision. Let's be honest, it doesn't look like it's going to go in my favour, but in terms of what I've done and what I've been able to control... I know who I am, I know why I've done it, I'm really happy with that. I don't want to sit up here and say anything, but when the review gets announced through the media, that's that's not high performance. Teague has seemingly been a dead man walking for the past week, and most expected he would have been relieved of his post already. But a decision yesterday from super coach Alastair Clarkson, who finished up at the Hawks this season, has delayed Teague's future. Clarko will not, will not coach an AFL club in 2022. He's fully committed to taking the year off. He had received approaches from some AFL clubs this week that had not advanced any of those discussions. So Clarko has said no to the Blues. In fact, he said no to all jobs for at least the next 12 months, which means David Teague will be hanging around in his job for a little while longer. But Sam McClure on Nine's Footy Classified last night reports that there will be changes made at Carlton. Not one, not two, not three, but four possible board members leaving that football club and four others coming in. McClure predicting sweeping changes with one favourite son set to replace another. We know that Chris Judd, the footy director, has gone. I can tell you tonight that he's been replaced by Greg Williams, another dual Brownlow medalist, 250 games, finished his career at Carlton. He comes in as the footy director. He's hoping Carlton just needs a bit of diesel instead of the unleaded they've been using in 2021. And lastly, to the English Premier League. Aside from Lionel Messi's move from Barcelona to Paris Saint-Germain, the biggest transfer talk has surrounded England captain and Tottenham spearhead Harry Kane. Harry Kane! Oh, what a goal! One of their own! Kane, who came through the North London Academy system with Tottenham, has grown to become one of the world's greatest strikers. But at 28 years of age, Kane is desperate to actually win a trophy in his career, something Tottenham has not been able to achieve in quite some time. And so it seemed Kane was headed for more lucrative pastures, with Manchester City keen on signing him. Except for one teeny tiny issue. I can't afford you. Tottenham has stuck a £150 million price tag on Harry Kane's head. And despite Man City's owner, Sheik Mansour, being worth a reported $22 billion, it appears they've decided the price is too high to pay right now for Harry Kane. So last night, Kane tweeted that he will be staying with Tottenham this summer and will be 100% focused on helping them achieve team success, which obviously means he'll be leaving in the mid-season transfer window, which opens in January. And that is your Fast Fun Hit of Sport. Tomorrow I'll have more from the Paralympics and we will know who has made this year's AFL All-Australian team. Until then, I'm Liam Flanagan. Catch you tomorrow on The Scorecard. Listener.